Live across the Great Lakes State, you're connected to Michigan's most engaging and influential radio and television program, Michigan's Big Show, starring Michael Patrick Shields. Presented by Blue Cross, Blue Shield of Michigan, and Blue Care Network. I'm producer and creative director, Tony Cuthbert. This is meteorologist John McMurray. Now in the shadow of the Capitol Dome in Lansing, he's heard from the beaches of Lake Michigan to the halls of power and behind closed doors, here's Michigan's Michael Patrick Shields. The reason you're so popular and so influential is that you're serving others by making them better known and more influential. And uh, you don't bait them and you don't belittle them and and you help them to put their best foot forward and, and that's a great thing. Michael Patrick Shields is on the air. Good morning, world. That, of course, is the voice of Governor Romney and he was speaking to J.P. McCarthy. And uh, we are in an era now where things have changed quite a bit. I'm no JP, there is no JP, and maybe there's no George Romney anymore either. But there is a Bill Ballinger, and he was here for all of it. And you can read him at theballingerreport.com. He was a state legislator, he was uh, the racing commissioner, and then he went into media. And uh, he's on our AT&T line right now as we get closer and closer to the election, and it's a pleasure and an honor to speak with him again. Welcome to our radio stage, sir. Glad to be with you. What do you make of the state of the media now? Because you certainly have seen it change over the years from when you first started publishing. Well, it's dramatically reduced, for one thing. I mean, there just aren't as many reporters in conventional um, newspapers. And, you know, for TV stations, that's basically disappeared in terms of uh, live coverage of what goes on in the state capitol. Uh, so the, the people practicing journalism and writing now are just few and far between compared to back in the day when J.P. McCarthy uh, was not covering the Capitol, but he did like to talk politics on his morning talk show, WJR. So uh, that's the big thing. And then, of course, the rise of social media has eclipsed a lot of conventional media coverage by print journalists, the news of Atlantic State Journal and so forth, and other forms that we took for granted back in the day, uh, some with TV coverage, some radio coverage. Uh, social media is really kind of almost driving coverage of uh, politics and government at the national and state level. So that is a huge... Uh, factor, and I think there's been somewhat of a polarization of political coverage by the reporters covering politics and government. Uh, yes, you get objective coverage, um, nonpartisan or bipartisan, whatever, reporters and some of the main uh, organs of the news, but you don't you don't have the kind of objectivity that we took for granted and assumed was always going to be the case, let's say, 40, 50 years ago and for a long time before that. You get a lot of opinions out there, particularly on social media. They're, they could be extremely uh, conservative, far right. They could be extremely liberal, uh, left-wing. Uh, and so... 
you kind of got to, if you're a consumer, if you're an average voter, you've got to kind of read everything and then try and balance it all out and make up your mind, what's the truth here? What's the best candidate? Uh, what factors are most important as I try and make up my mind who I'm going to vote for? You've got to kind of do that on your own more, I think, and cover, uh, read more and listen more and listen more intelligently than you ever did before. Yeah, J.P. McCarthy had Tom Green, who was the, the Lansing reporter here, who, uh, you know, would, would have been seen like you, uh, literally in the hallways, talking to people and listening to people. Do you think that that uh, the candidates and the elected officials now don't even see that much need for the Tim Skubics of the world when they can go straight to the people through that social media that you talked about? Well, I think that's part of it. I think you're right. Uh, but I think somebody like Tim Skubic is a fairly unique individual. I mean, he basically has uh, worked out of public uh, radio and public television, but he's also had gigs with, like, WWJ Radio down in the Detroit area. Um, he really was not a writer uh, for a long period of time. Then he developed a newspaper column. Now, I think that's kind of faded away because, uh, basically, media are just getting rid of political columnists the way they used to have them. Hugh McDermott used to be a highly regarded columnist for the Detroit Free Press. Um, that ended years ago. You just don't see that. I think so much of it is on social media, and it's so frequent. I mean, we've got so much information coming at us from all directions uh, in every way, shape, or form. It's kind of nonstop uh, politics 24-7 year-round. It just never goes away used to be more of a cyclical nature to news coverage. You'd get coverage of what went on in the state capitol in the daily legislative session, let's say, but in terms of covering campaigns, that would kind of go on the back burner for six, nine months, maybe a year or more. Uh, now, it's like every day, uh, there's an incredible absorption by the news meeting of what's going on uh, in politics and government. And here's another thing. Uh, polls have become so much more frequent. I mean, back in the day, you never had public opinion surveys taking such a front and center seat in uh, coverage of what's going on in politics and government. Now we are awash in polls that are published uh, or the information about them coming out from the people who conduct the polls. I mean, every week you get, it seems to me, almost a, a poll on a single race. Um, I mean, I can remember 34 years ago, you scratch for information uh, about how well a particular race was going in the form of uh, how the candidates were faring in a poll that might come out. Now, I mean, you don't have to wait more than 24 hours that somebody is going to come out with a poll, and maybe the next day somebody else will come out with a poll. There's just so many polls. So you have to kind of balance those and average them out and figure who is really ahead. And look at the governor's race this year. We've had polls, you know, saying that Gretchen Whitmer was ahead by 16 or 18 points. 
just five weeks ago, and then, you know, seemingly not at the same time, but shortly thereafter, all of a sudden it's supposed to be a tied race or ahead by two points. So which is it? Now, the latest one I saw, uh, Whitmer supposedly ahead by nine, uh, but maybe when it just come out, Michael Patrick this morning that I don't know about, and it'll show Dixon ahead by three. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> in fact, it's true. There is a poll that shows it's a dead heat. And then there's a story today also in the national news that Republicans are undercounted when it comes to polling, so it's not accurate to begin with. The Democrats are more likely to respond. You can read it all for yourself at theballingerreport.com with the great Bill Ballinger, who has seen it all and covered it all and written about it all with Michael Patrick Sheehan. Welcome back. It's Michael Patrick Shields, radio stations across the state of Michigan. Bill Ballinger, the publisher of the Ballinger Report, was a state legislator, racing commissioner, and uh, knew all of the key players in Michigan from the governor on down and presidents, too, including Gerald Ford. Bill Ballinger, during the pandemic, uh, the three most extreme COVID governors, if you want to look at it that way, were Newsom, Cuomo, and Whitmer, all Democrats, and all who had not possibly presidential or vice presidential ambitions. As we look back now, what do you make of that strategy and that statement? I think we shouldn't uh, confuse how Cuomo, Newsom, and Whitmer handled the pandemic with their own personal political ambition. I mean, I think in the public mind, a lot of us, you and I, and rank-and-file citizens throughout the state looked at what was going on politically and then looked what was going on with the way COVID was being handled and thought, well, the two go together. And uh, Newsom, Cuomo, and Whitmer are making every move with regards to COVID and how they handle it uh, with an eye toward higher office, whether it's uh, being named vice president or some future run for the presidency. And I just really honestly don't think that was the case. I think that uh, these people all had their own motives and reasons for acting the way they did during the pandemic for putting an emphasis on lockdowns, uh, closing businesses, uh, making students learn virtually from home rather than be in the classroom, uh, fines and penalties for citizens who didn't comply with their orders and so forth, because they felt, I think, and this is true, I think, of many liberal Democratic governors, that the state is the best instrument to cope with a public health crisis such as this, and that individual citizens uh, can't really be trusted to manage day-to-day living with a pandemic raging, that the state somehow has to move in, take over, take charge, crack down, crack the whip, say, you can do this, but you can't do that. We're going to penalize you if you do this, and you're going to go to jail if you do that. Whereas I think the Republicans tend to be the party that believes more in individual responsibility during a public health crisis and feels that people 
can use common sense in the way they deal with it. I think, you know, that's why Sweden has gotten as much attention for the way they handle the pandemic as a lot of other countries, because they tended to take the more laissez-faire, hands-off approach that the Republicans in this country seem to adopt. Obviously, somebody who is an example of that for the Republicans would be Ron DeSantis in Florida, who took a lot of criticism from the left and from liberals, from Democrats, because he was more of a uh, hands-off, get government out of our hair, uh, kind of a governor, and more like Sweden. And that made him popular with a lot of people, and it made him unpopular with a lot of other people, because there are a lot of other people that uh, who feel that the government should be tough and should be responsible, and that this could be like the bubonic plague or the Black Death of the Middle Ages. We didn't know for sure how it was going to turn out. That's one of the scary things about the pandemic. No, it, it hadn't really hit in this country for a century, and people had forgotten how to deal with it. And, and so uh, there was a lot of scrambling around, throwing things against the wall and see what sticks. And I think that's why we got the division we did. Two quick questions before we go. The BallingerReport.com with Bill Ballinger. Uh, some of the people I talk to say the governor has no ambition to go to Washington, uh, at least in elective office, and yet her name keeps being mentioned in that regard. What do you know or think? I don't really know anything more than almost everybody else. Gretchen Whitmer does not call me up and say, Bill, what do you think I had to do? No, 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 no. Doesn't work that way. You know that. Uh, Seriously, uh, look, you could argue that every politician is uh, filled with ambition. It's kind of like goes with the territory. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think one of the reasons Gretchen Whitmer has gotten so much attention uh, about whether she's ambitious for higher office, because she traded barbs and brickbats with Donald Trump. I mean, he was in the White House, and frankly, as I remember the whole thing, she kind of fired the first shot, said something about the way the president was or was not dealing with the pandemic, well, you know Donald Trump, he's a counterpuncher, and, and he gets enraged if anybody uh, insults him or makes a remark uh, that he feels is critical of his performance, and he blasts back. And then you've got uh, all the, the barbs flying back and forth between the two of them and T-shirts being printed with Big Gretch uh, on them and Trump calling her that woman from Michigan, and that became a battle cry for the Democrats. So there was this uh, face-off between the president of the United States and Michigan's case, the governor of Michigan, and people started framing everything that went on in that way. That's why we get this confusion in the public mind about the way Whitmer was handling the pandemic and the fact that she was personally maybe ambitious for higher office, like being made vice president on somebody's ticket, the nominee for the Democrats turned out to be Joe Biden. Of course, that didn't happen. Uh, The idea that Gretchen Whitmer is likely to mount a campaign for president 
in 2024. If you ask my opinion, I would doubt that very much. I just don't think it's going to happen. Whether she's picked to be a vice president uh, by a Democratic nominee for president, that could happen. But that's always been the case. That's something where you're anointed by somebody else. You don't necessarily have to fire up your own campaign we do seek your opinion, and you can get his opinion at the Ballinger Report. Bill Ballinger, Michael Patrick Shields. Thank-